Hey, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of And Finally with me, Sam Vader, where this week we're going to be talking about Dick Turpin, who is a funny name. Um, I'm a child. Oh god, I've really just put myself off already. Um, yeah, Dick Turpin, he's a famous highwayman from the UK, whoop whoop. Uh, mainly actually in Essex, uh, that's why I heard a lot about him when I was younger, because you come from Essex, you know, you hear about all the horrible crimes that happened there. And, yeah, he, he wasn't a good guy, despite what some sources say, because, I mean, the common story about him, we'll go into a bit, sort of romanticises him and everything he did as sort of, you know, an anti, sort of like a Robin Hood type character, when he was really just a bit of a dick and not a nice person whatsoever. But obviously, before we get into that, I will mention that obviously, uh, we at Sigil Arts do, of course, still support very strongly the Black Lives Matter campaign. It's a very important cause and you should still be running behind it because if you don't, you're a bit of a knophead uh, and need to rethink your life and life choices. Because the fact there's still inequality in 2020 is like, are we dumb? Because it's just stupid and the fact that it's still ignored to the level it is, is just, I don't know if it's ignorance or just people in power, which is, this is more accurate, just choosing to ignore it because it benefits them. So we still need to do everything we can in our power to make sure that uh, this systematic oppression doesn't still keep going forward. So to help out with things like that, you can go to www.blacklivesmatter.com where you can find ways to either give money or help or find other ways to help if you don't have the money to give, which is perfectly understandable. And it will also take you to links to help educate yourself so you can maybe help educate other people to uh, stop the more systematic things that we don't even realise we're doing because uh, it's so ingrained into just how we're brought up that we should really stop. But also you should keep the conversation going and you can do that by whenever you mention something like this on Twitter or you see a post related to it on any social media, not just Twitter to be fair, you can use the hashtags BLM or hashtag Black Lives Matter to keep the conversation going, to keep people engaged and to make sure that uh, we keep talking about it until there's nothing to talk about anymore and, and hopefully that day comes. Uh, and it will come a lot sooner if people like you and me keep keep this thing going and make sure that the people in charge don't keep sweeping it under the rug because they don't want to hear about it because they're asses. Now with that little rant out of the way, we shall get back into the main episode. So before I suppose I go on to the factual thing, I might do a little non-factual fairy tale sort of what everyone's told about Dick Turpin for the most part. Um... Especially in Essex, we obviously were told about him a lot, and he, we, we still told he was a highwayman, but we told his horse was called Black Bess, that's not true as far as we know. Um, him frequenting the cross keys, that could be true. Um, no way to really know, but I, I'm pretty sure he did commit a few robberies by the cross keys pub in um, Chafford 100. So yeah, woo, big up drinking. Um, yeah, and obviously the rom really romanticised thing about him is a bit of an anti-hero, a bit of a lovable rogue, which he wasn't. And then the way in which he died was apparently in a shootout. He then rode off on Black Bess to somewhere, I think in Chelmsford. I can't think of the exact name of the place I've been there. It's um, it's now a place associated with the Scout movement, um, but I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Um, for the life of me, which is really bad. 
Um, yeah, and he's sort of rides into the uh, his little shared shack thing. He parks Black Bess outside, and he goes in and he bleeds out and dies. And there's actually a bit of a folklore to do with that as well. A folklore on top of a myth, which is great. Um, the fact that apparently on certain nights, if you were to go to where this shed is, um, on certain nights you can see and hear the ghost of Black Bess carrying in the dying Dick Turpin. But obviously, no, you can't, can't do that, because even if ghosts are real and you do believe in that, the story's bullshit. Uh, that's not what happened to him. So, you know, however, I have scared some people by saying, oh, look, we'll go and look and find Dick Turpin, and then having someone in a bush down there, like with coconuts and making the the sound of a horse approaching and really scared the shit out of some people so that was really funny but yeah the story's bogus so even if ghosts are real that's that doesn't happen because it didn't happen when he was alive so now i suppose on to a bit about the uh, the real person some of the stuff he actually did so he was born richard which was a dicky short for richard for whatever reason turpin uh, and he was born at the bluebell inn which is now known as the rose and crown in hempstead essex i've been there it's quite nice to the Rosen Crown, not Essex. Essex is horrible. Uh, and he was actually the fifth of six children, uh, born to John Turpin and Mary Elizabeth Parmenter. And he was actually baptised on the 21st of September, 1705. But they don't know his exact date of birth, but judging by the way things happened, they imagine it was probably not long before that. So probably September, 1705, was uh, the birthday of Dick Turpin. But no one really knows. His uh, father was in fact a butcher and an innkeeper. And uh, several historical accounts, stories, whatever, suggest that he followed his father into these trades and obviously the butchering he definitely did do. Um, but what if one of the stories hints that as a teenager he was apparently apprenticed to a butcher in the village of Whitechapel. But other stories suggest that he actually ran his own butcher shop in Thaxted. But one way or another he was definitely got into the butcher trade most likely following following his old man um and in fact a, te but a testimony from his trial in 1919 1739 suggests that in fact he had somewhat of a decent rudimentary education um and actually in about 1725 he apparently married a woman named elizabeth millington um but i mean there's no record of that per se it's only the fact that he came up in testimony of his eventual trial things like this but he, he was a well-educated man um and yeah he was apparently married to uh this elizabeth uh, but apparently following on from his apprenticeship that was mentioned earlier um him and elizabeth moved to buckhurst hill in essex and this is where turpin opened his own butcher shop and it was from this butcher shop that Turpin most likely became involved with the Essex Gang of Deer Thieves in the early 19... No, fucking hell, 1730s. Jesus Christ, cannot read today. Um, and this is because deer poaching had been a, <laughs> become an epidemic um, in the Royal Forest of Waltham back in the 1700s, because, you know, that's what they had to be most concerned about, those damn deer thieves. Ooh. Um, in fact, in nine, fucking hell, 19, um, one day I'll just read it as 17. In 1723, uh, the Black Act was enacted to deal with such problems. Funnily enough, it was called the Black Act because people would sort of smear their face and make their face darker. So when they went out into the woods at night, they were harder to see. 
so they probably, I don't know what they used, but they basically, yeah, darkened their face, so it was harder to see them at night, uh, hence it was called the Black Act, but yeah, it'd become that big that they, oh, they had to put a law on it to stop people from making their face darker, I don't, I, people are weird, um, but yeah, deer stealing was therefore a domestic offence, I don't know who they're stealing it from, because I mean, they're just wild, deer, whatever, domestic offence, and um, and it wasn't even just judged in the civil courts, but before the justices of the peace. It was a really big thing. I cannot stress enough. Deer stealing was a very big thing back then. I don't, I, I don't quite know why. I mean, I guess people just wanted their deer. I don't... Santa was in the town. I don't... Anyway. But it wasn't until 1737 that a more severe penalty of seven years transportation was introduced. Uh, transportation was basically the movement of criminals to another of the English colonies uh, and leaving them there for the certain period of time. However, most of the criminals transported for doing this never actually made their way back to the UK because they couldn't afford the trip back because they had to pay for that. So it was sort of rehabilitation in a different country uh, that most people didn't come back from. Um, yeah, this is all for stealing deer. Could be worse. Could be worse, but yeah. So this is how Dick Turpin got involved in in criminal activities for the first time, I suppose, because they needed help to dispose of the deer once once they'd stolen them and got what they needed from it. So of course, a butcher made perfect sense, and him being a local butcher who traded in the area and being quite young, he was a a perfect target for them to go to, and he was obviously willing to uh, join the business because he would have wanted a bit of money. Everyone wants a bit of money, you know. Cutting up a bit of deer, it's not as bad as like Sweeney Todd and his wife. Also, they are fictional, but whatever. Um, so yeah, that's most likely how he began his criminal career because he got involved uh, with the deer poaching by uh, being basically the disposal unit for them um, when they didn't need the bodies anymore. Uh, but probably by 1733, it was actually the changing fortunes of the gang um, that actually probably prompted uh, Mr. Turpin to leave his butcher's way behind for good and take up the criminal lifestyle because it was clearly making these other people a lot of money. Um, so, and it was because of the money he was now making from this criminal lifestyle that he actually became the landlord of a public house, most likely the Rose and Crown. Um, so yeah, he, he sort of gave up butchery, but then with the money he, he sort of went back to being the innkeeper that his father was, um, and most likely the, uh, the Rose and Crown that his father owned, which is interesting um yeah and that's at clay hill not that any of you know where that is um it's debated whether turpin was involved in the early thefts that were committed by the essex gang a lot of the what the highway robberies it might have been some of it he was working behind the scenes um but there's definite evidence that by the summer of 1734 he was definitely a close associate of the gang by that point and was definitely most likely working very closely with them and probably committing some of the uh, robberies by that point. Um, but later that year, 1734, quite a lot of the gang had, uh, had been captured or had to flee from the area they were currently working in because uh, authorities were starting to uh, get on their heels. Because, you know, all criminals don't like the authorities. Woo! Um, but on this is where 
Turpin's definitely involved by this point because on the 4th of February 1735 he met with John Fielder, Samuel Gregory, Joseph Rose and John Wheeler at an inn along the Broadway in London and there they planned to rob a house owned by Joseph Lawrence, a farmer uh, at the Ellsbury Farm in Edgware. And um, they did this by taking a farmer boy hostage, storming in, uh, tying up the maidservants so they couldn't go and call for help and then quite viciously attacking the 70 year old farmer to get him to give up the information on where all the valuables were and then when he didn't they just ransacked the house anyway uh, but for all the trouble they went through for this and they did go through a lot there's a lot of details I've omitted from this particular one because there was a lot of details that the sites went into and what they did here which you can look up on on your own time if, if you're interested in the dark and the really gory stuff um, yeah, but for all the trouble they went through, the gang only escaped with a haul of less than about £30, which, to be fair, does sound really pathetic uh, by today's standards. £30 isn't much if you're robbing a big house. Um, but back then, £30 was still a lot more, but I think they they expected to come back with a haul of a lot more money. Um, yeah, this is... But, yeah, so bear in mind this was all at gunpoint as well, so... Dick Turpin is nowhere near the romantic hero at this point. He is, um, yeah, a bit of an asshole. Uh, but three days later, uh, Dick Turpin was also accompanied by the same men, along with William Saunders and Humphrey Walker. Uh, they they brutally raided another farm in a uh, Marleybone, and the attack actually got the gang this time just under ninety pounds, and that is a lot more of a significant amount back then. Probably somewhere, somewhere in a couple of thousands at that point so they did good the second time around the kid did good so you can't you can't um you can't fault him for that i suppose um yeah so um but apparently after this attack not long after three of the members of the group were actually captured and it was wheeler who in fact who was probably about 15 years old at the time uh, quickly gave up his colleagues and betrayed them giving away descriptions and the such and he described turpin as Richard Turpin, a butcher by trade, uh, is a small, fresh, coloured man, very much marked with the smallpox, about 26 years of age, about 5 feet 9 inches high, lived some time ago in Whitechapel and did lately lodge somewhere about Millbank. Um, that is the direct quote. Um, so that's sort of, I suppose, the only surviving description I suppose we have of, of Mr. Dick Turpin. Um, don't know why the bit that always stuck out to me when I kept reading that was the smallpox thing. I don't know why. I imagine a lot of people at the time had that. Uh, yeah, man had smallpox. Didn't have big pox, just smallpox. Um, but yeah, so that's, I suppose, the, the only way we get sort of images of him and drawings is due to this description. So any pictures you see of him, including the Horrible Histories version, I guarantee it, uh, was inspired by, by this... Um, this description by Mr. Wheeler. What a bitch giving away his men like that, you know? Bros before authorities. I don't... I don't, I don't really know. Uh, but by this point, the Essex gang had basically been smashed to pieces by the authorities as more and more of them had been captured. Uh, Dick Turpin, um, at this point now, turned to the crime he became most noteworthy for, and this was highway robbery. So he stopped just robbing rich houses and just decided, you know what, I'm just going to stop people on the road, point a gun to their head and say, give me all your money, you bitch. And uh, yeah, that's what he became famous for, really, is the famous highwayman of, of Essex. Um, 
his first identified crime or the one where he was identified as the as a suspect happened on the 10th of july um yeah day before my, after my birthday day before my jesus christ i am tired and uh yeah so 10th of july was the first time he was a correctly identified as a higher man and turpin the butcher was identified along with thomas roden as the pewterer i don't know what that name means i get the turpin the butcher bit because you know dick turpin was a butcher the pewterer i don't due to the color i don't whatevs but several days later uh, the two actually struck again at epic forest holding a coach at gunpoint and stealing their money but now at this point dick turpin had a bounty of over a hundred pounds on his head and this probably would have equated to somewhere between oh, so I get my 16,000 modern, maybe-ish, about that, probably. So that's a lot of money for, for one man. Um, but fearing capture, they actually moved uh, to Blackheath in Hertfordshire, and then they actually then moved back to London. And on December the 5th, the two were seen near Winchester, which is where I am currently. Uh, but in late December, that the same year, uh, following the capture of John Jones, they actually decided to separate and go their separate ways because a lot of their colleagues were now definitely being roped in by the authorities around the country. And this was in 36, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that at any point. In the February of 1937, though, he spent the night at Puckeridge with his wife, her maid, and a man called Robert Knott. However, this uh, meeting was intercepted by the authorities when they found intercepted a letter that was being sent to arrange the meeting. And Dick Turpin actually managed to elude the, uh, the authorities, but the other three were all arrested on charges of, and I quote, violent suspicion of being dangerous rogues and robbing upon the highway. That is a brilliant sentence. I'm just going to say it again. Violent suspicion of being dangerous rogues and robbing upon the highway. I mean, you know, people back then, they didn't, they didn't mince their words, did they? Violent suspicion of being dangerous rogues. Ooh. It's just sorry, but it's just appealing the sentence, I think. Uh, but yeah, he escaped and sort of left them all to be captured. The women were later sort of released from prison because you know women, they can't be criminals. And then the men were uh, Robert was his name Robert Robert. He was let out at a later date as well, not as quickly as the women because you know men are bad. They are cr all criminals. Um, women couldn't be criminals. They had to be let out apparently. Um. <laughs> But sometime around the June of 1937, uh, Turpin actually boarded a ferry, no, at the ferry inn at Bruh, nah, Borough, uh, under the alias of John Palmer, and uh, it was here that he posed as a horse trader and often actually hunted alongside local gentlemen up in York. Uh, on the 2nd of October, though, 1938, uh, this is another brilliant sentence, Dick Turpin shot another man's game cock in the street. That is a perfect sentence if I've ever heard one. Um, a game cock. <laughs> I imagine it's a cockerel for like game meat. Or I looked it up in another interpretation. It was being raised for a cockfight, but I don't think cockfights were a thing then. I don't know when cockfights started. Regardless, Dick Turpin shot another man's game cock, and um, <laughs> while he was being rebuked by uh, John Robinson. He then threatened to shoot John as well because the man clearly had a temper. Shooting a man's game cock wasn't enough. He now had to threaten to shoot the man. Um, and it was this that the authorities apparently got involved, threatened to bind him over. That sounds a bit weird. Um, but 
Turpin refused to basically pay the compensation and because of this he was committed to the House of Correction at Beverly. Um, this is where it starts to go downhill for him. I mean, he never did great, I suppose. Um, Turpin, when being interrogated, you know, questioned for his crimes, claimed that he was a butcher who had fallen into debt and that he had then left his home in Long Sutton in Lincolnshire. Um, it was while he was in prison that apparently he started to sort of like, he'd never put up a fight the whole time in prison when he was being taken there, taken out. He sort of just accepted everything going on. And it's people believing that he was quite depressed about the life he'd chosen. Had regrets, and that's why he didn't put up a fight, because he realised he'd done some terrible things and had obviously, at this point, shot and killed at least two people, confirmed. One of them is, I suppose, the crime that he eventually gets killed for. But, yeah, so... um it was from his cell, though, that Turpin wrote a letter to his brother-in-law, um, Pompa Rivenel, who also lived in Hempstead. Uh, but the letter was kept at a local post office, but seeing the York post stamp, Rivenel refused to pay the delivery charge because he thought, I don't have any correspondence in York. This is bogus. Who's sending it to me? I don't know. So it was because of this that there was a really cruel twist of fate for poor Dick Turpin, I suppose. Although he did deserve it, so I don't know why I'm saying poor. He deserved everything that came to him. Um, so yeah, the letter was moved to the post office at Saffron Morden, uh, where James Smith, who was the postman there currently, also just happened to be the man who taught Dick Turpin how to write in school. Right? And it was because of this that he immediately recognised the handwriting. I don't know how you do that. You know, if my t to be fair, my teachers would recognise my handwriting. It's fucking appalling. Right. So he's recognised it. And then he immediately travelled to York Castle and identified that, no, that's not John Palmer. That is, in fact, Dick Turpin. So because of this, he actually received the uh, £200 reward, which was originally offered by the Duke of Newcastle following Turpin's murder of Tom Morris and just to weigh up how much this man actually got paid equivalent. So the 2019 equivalent of the £200 back then is £32,000. So this man was made very wealthy, wealthy? wealthy by just being able to recognise some dude's handwriting and going, that's not Mr Palmer, that's Mr Turpin. And yeah, so it was because of this that obviously in a trial, Dick Turpin was then, of course, sentenced to death. And it was on the 7th of April, 1939, followed by his mourners, Turpin and John Steed, a horse thief, were taken through York on an open cart. But it was claimed that Turpin, and I quote, behaved himself with amazing assurance, end quote, and bowed to the spectators as he passed so he was clearly a man of great respect he was sort of bowing to the people in the crowd and everything sort of he was showing repentance and showing that he was sorry for all he had done but as a man who had committed at least two murders and robbed a lot of people and been involved in some things far worse if we go back to the um uh, the farmhouse by john joseph lawrence so i'm not going to mention what happened but you can look up some of the things that were done there he was clearly very sorry and willing to accept his fate and it was because of that that he climbed the hangman and uh, and just took the plunge uh, without complaint and without any, you know, fight. He, he just gave in. And that is the tragic, but probably deserved, story of the real man, Dick Turpin. And I can't thank you all enough for listening. And obviously, I'm now going to mention that our sponsor this week is not actually King Styles Apparel, but please do still go check it out. This week, we are sponsored by the brilliant Schmerp, who is also involved uh, with King's, uh, King's Eyes. 
He is currently doing all of the commissions on the page and he does fantastic work. He in fact did help Edo design the Clansman Unite collection and he does so many other great commissions for all of your sort of art and design needs, like media designs. So please do go check him out. He's a brilliant guy, will do great work, great quality for, for what you're paying for it. And please do go check him out. He He's fantastic and does, does great work. Speaking of great work, you guys, people listening, yeah, you, yeah, you, I'm talking to you now talking to you you specifically you have helped because and finally is now over the 700 listens mark and that is incredible considering the show started what in i don't know june ish maybe a month before that i don't know and we're at 700 already and i think it's the third highest on the network and is looking to be number one very soon the way this show keeps rapidly climbing so i cannot thank you all enough for all the constant support you're showing this show in particular and me i really love making and finally because it helps me use my passion for history and i'm learning a lot as i go through each episode as well so thank you so much i really do appreciate that if you do support the show why not follow it on twitter at the at and finally sv and show your support there that is the best way to keep up to date with the show if there's not going to be an episode or when episodes are up uh so yeah once again thank you so much for listening thank you for supporting the show the way you have been and finally guys i'll speak to you next week